Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our discussion on marijuana. Why are we doing that? Because a lot of people, particularly young people, but older folks too, Christians, Catholics, are smoking marijuana, is it a good idea? And a lot of parents listening, I'm sure, really don't want their young people to be smoking pot. So these broadcasts are designed to equip you with facts. It's really important to get facts when you're going to be discussing marijuana with your children. The reason I mention facts now for the third time is that there's been an overblown exaggerated opposition to marijuana in the past, particularly if you just go to YouTube and the reefer madness, um, anti-marijuana, it was really propaganda. That is now being used by the pro-marijuana legalization folks and the pro-smoking marijuana folks as a reason not to pay any attention to somebody who may have opposition to the legalization or use of marijuana. So if you want to have credibility with young people, and I'm talking particularly to parents, for your kids, you're going to have to have the facts. So that's important. Now, what are the two best means of prevention? Just a review from last week from our Faith and Family episode. What are the two best ways? Faith and Family. No, I'm not talking about now the name of this broadcast. I'm talking about the two best ways. Family is the number one way. If parents would strongly disapprove of their children smoking marijuana, there's a 1 in 20 chance that their children will end up experimenting with it or smoking it regularly. 1 in 20. In other words, it's still going to happen with some, but it's a pretty low number. What about parents who are casual about it or pro about it? 1 in 3. So we go from 1 in 20 to 1 in 3, thanks to the influence of parents. Now, those whose religious beliefs, now we're going to faith, are not very important in their lives. I'm talking about young people, 12 to 17-year-olds whose religious beliefs are not very important in their lives are twice as likely to smoke pot as young people who do have strong religious beliefs that are important in their lives lives. So faith and family are the two critical areas. That's why faith and family broadcasts are going at this. Now, we want to talk today a bit about medical marijuana. I suggest to parents, and you may disagree with me, I'm just trying to uh, be in your camp and give you the best strategies that I can come up with. I think there needs to be a distinction between the legalization of medical marijuana and the legalization of marijuana for recreational use, getting high. Because if you just read the newspaper, it looks like two-thirds of Americans support legalization of marijuana. That's from the Gallup poll. But if you break that down, it's 83% support the use of medical marijuana while only 49% of Americans support the legalization of recreational use. And so there's a split here. And what I want to talk about today 
is the pros and cons of medical marijuana. Now, remember, I began this broadcast with three times mentioning facts. You need to have reliable information if you're going to have credibility with your children because they're finding a lot of stuff on the internet. There's a lot of propaganda going on. And just since last week, I found out there's a new TV channel coming out to uh, promote smoking marijuana. And I'm not going to give them free publicity by telling you its name, but it launches tomorrow. So you have to be able to split this. This is my recommendation. And there's some cautions about medical marijuana, and we're going to get to the key cautions. But first, are there any benefits? There's reported benefits from medical marijuana, and here's a few that it can reduce nausea and the other nasty side effects of chemotherapy. Uh, The cannabinoids in marijuana can slow or kill cancer cells, similar to chemo and radiation, but without the nasty side effects. And this is in a paper published by the Anti-Cancer Research Journal by a fellow at the University of London. So there may be something there. Uh, It's helpful for those with epilepsy. It's claimed those with arthritis, those relieving chronic pain, and those with glaucoma. Now, those things I mentioned are reported benefits. There's a lot more study that needs to be done. And then those studies basically have to have the same potency of marijuana across the studies to see what exactly is going on. Uh, There is one Harvard physician, psychiatrist, whose job is basically helping people addicted to marijuana get off. But he's tried to write a very balanced book. It's entitled Marijuana, The Unbiased Truth About the World's Most Popular Weed. And this is Dr. Kevin Hill. I think he does a pretty good job of trying to be fair to both sides. And again, if you want credibility with your children, particularly your older teens and 20-year-olds, uh, you you need to know both sides of the argument, not just one side. And it's just striking to me trying to research this. I can go to a website like uh, in Colorado as a result of legalization, and I, I read that just horrible things happening from the medical marijuana and that there isn't a single disease or affliction that plagues humans that marijuana can help. And that's really not the case, although it's not entirely proven how and where and what cases and what segment of the population these things can help. So we need to be able to say, yeah, there's probably something here. It needs further research, but there probably is something here. And again, I think you'll get a lot further talking with young people if you recognize there may be some benefits for medical marijuana. Now, This is what we find from Colorado, that the majority of those seeking marijuana for medical reasons are males between 18 and 30 years old. I mean, these are video game playing, snowboarding, Coloradan pot smokers. And they're going to a doctor and say, you know, I had a bad spill on my snowboard Saturday afternoon and, you know, oh, my back hurts so much and they get the permanent medical marijuana card. You know, the the TV shows where they show the heart-wrenching physical elements that some people have and then are helped by marijuana, that's not what's going on. 
the males between 18 and 30 are not going in for glaucoma, cancer, epilepsy, and arthritis. They're going in to have a legal way to get high. And I think we need to recognize that not all of these stories match up with the statistics. Do you know what the main argument is against medical marijuana? You need to know this. And in fact, parents, you need to know more about marijuana than your kids do. Remember the father I told you about last week? And it's not just having the facts and be able to debate your kids. It's to be concerned enough for their welfare, to be concerned enough for your kids not to have their heads filled with smoke rather than the Holy Spirit, that you've taken steps to educate yourself. So you need to know what is the main argument against the legalization of medical marijuana. And it's this, and this is from Dr. Hill, the Harvard physician I just mentioned. It's this, medical marijuana is ending up in the hands of children and young people. In other words, it's designed to help those who need help. And actually, if there's a, a solid medical reason and people really need the help, this isn't the type of marijuana that, that gets you high necessarily, the, the medical marijuana just for these afflictions. But, you know, we need to think through public policy because when these states just uh, go and maybe kind of an emotional reaction to some TV shows showing people with glaucoma or cancer or having repeated epileptic fits and can't stop them in a little child and maybe medical marijuana can, this isn't stoner, snowboarder, video gamers, okay? These are real people. But if you want to help those people, public policy needs to figure out a way to keep it out of the hands of young people. And here's what's going on, which is very dangerous. Obviously, when you legalize medical marijuana for young people who aren't reading in depth a lot of anything these days, the perception is that there's no harm. If it's medicine, it's, it's not harmful. So the perceptions of youth regarding the uh, dangers from smoking marijuana are declining. And at the same time, the strength of marijuana is increasing. And young people have it, I guess older ones too, but I'm particularly concerned with the young people here because this is the focus, medical marijuana. It, I think it does offer some help in limited situations, but when you legalize the medical marijuana, it's not being limited to those serious situations, those limited situations. And some physicians probably need to have their license lifted or go to jail because they're basically either hindering some people who really need this from getting it, or they're just basically becoming the avenue for distributing illegal drugs. And in either case, they don't deserve to be called a physician. They, I think they need to be in jail. So in any case, with what's going on, uh, young people have flipped directions. In other words, the reefer madness, the scare tactics of the early days of the 20th century are used with young people to get them to flip 
to the opposite direction. Whereas there could be a balanced position where medical marijuana could be helpful to some people with afflictions, but not the kind of marijuana that gets you high. They have a special kind for this. So they're thinking, no, it's not harmful. Well, here's from a man whose profession at Harvard University is helping people with addictions to marijuana. And he says this, marijuana is less addicting than nicotine, heroin, cocaine, and alcohol. So you say, well, what's the problem? It is incorrect to deduce that it is therefore non-addicting. It is addicting, and depending on your age of first use, it can be even more addicting because adolescents are almost twice as likely as adults to become addicted to marijuana. One in six teens develop an addiction. That's a huge number when you think about even though marijuana may be less addicting than some of the things I mentioned, nicotine, heroin, cocaine, and alcohol, because of the large number of marijuana users, you're talking about thousands upon thousands of pot smokers who meet the clinical criteria for drug addiction. And even more marijuana smokers meet the clinical definition that the medical technical definition for drug addiction, more marijuana users meet this than those involved in the tragic opioid epidemic that you read about and hear on the news every other night. See, this is the silent addiction going on because the basically the culture has shifted from, quote, freaking out about marijuana and its physical harm to saying it's harmless. It's not the case. You need to see the both and. There's a Duke University study, and it's widely disputed, and I can see why, that showed that young people smoking marijuana could have up to an eight-point IQ decline if there's early and regular marijuana usage. Now, why is that? Well, when the brain is still developing there's increased risk for basically interrupting cognitive development because the brain receptors receive chemicals from the marijuana and basically it, it captures the brain in doing so. And so using marijuana during school and college years as the brain is still developing is increased risk. Now, I realize there are a lot of parents, maybe even some parents listening, who are very carefree about their kids smoking marijuana. Why is that? Well, you're basing your current contemporary views on legalization of recreational marijuana, medical marijuana, or your kids using marijuana based on your experience in the 1960s. But as those who are in the know, and, and the kids know this, the pot growers know this, this Harvard physician that I talked about knows this, that the pot today is, in a way, a totally different drug. On average, pot today is six times more potent 
than the pot from the 1960s. And if you go to some of the designer growers, they're growing marijuana under special lights, special soil, special fertilizers. I mean, these guys are really ramping it up to try to get the THC, the psychoactive component of marijuana, at a higher level. You can go to Colorado. It's going to cost you, but you can buy marijuana 14 times more potent than the 60s pot. So if you're a parent, carefree about your kids using marijuana based on your experiences. I smoke pot, you know, in the 60s and I'm fine. My kids will be fine. Really? What if you back in the 60s smoked 14 times as much pot as you did back then? Would you still be okay, do you think? Because that's what's happening to our kids. Now, here's the biggie. And it's a real biggie especially for youth because, um, and I'm going to be talking about what's called green driving. Green driving refers to marijuana and driving. And I, I wasn't a very good youth driver. I had a rather heavy foot on the accelerator when I was 16 years old, 17 and 18. And to think that you would combine some youthful indiscretions with driving habits with marijuana is just, you know, this one's a big disaster because everyone recognizes there's a certain psychomotor impairment when you smoke marijuana or take it or eat it or whatever. The psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, the THC, can remain in a person's body for three weeks after use. In other words, the THC is stored in the fat cells of the body, and that includes the brain, and therefore it can last a long time, and it can affect for up to three weeks after use the multitasking ability needed for safe driving. In other words, you got your speed, staying in your lane, watching your rearview mirrors, seeing upcoming traffic. Oh, there's a child playing with a ball that's rolling down the driveway. All these things have to be analyzed by the brain at the same time. And you're talking about an ingredient that psychologists, psychiatrists can very clearly demonstrate their psychomotor impairment. So what are you going to do about green driving? Now, the statistics from Colorado are all over the place. And as I said three times at the beginning of this broadcast, I want it as much as possible to have facts. And it's just quite honestly, they're all over the place. It's very difficult to find the facts, although the one agreed upon main argument against medical marijuana. Of course, in Colorado, it's now legal for recreational use as well, so the whole thing has probably gotten worse. But that the young people, when just medical marijuana is legalized, are getting far more pot into their hands. And you tell me, are they going to be driving? We don't know yet completely the effects on marijuana driving for various windows of time. In other words, if you have two joints with your buddies and three hours later, are you safe? Well, 
All right, do you have the six times more potent in the 60s marijuana or do you spend extra bucks and get the 14 times more potent marijuana? Because it's going to make a difference on your windows on driving time. And basically, it's illegal to drive under the influence of any drug or alcohol. But how do you determine that? I'm talking about if you're wanting to be an honest recreational smoker of pot out in, in Colorado, uh, how do you determine that? It hasn't been determined. That's my point. That's why we need to slow down a bit and make public policy because this is a major social adjustment. Meanwhile, there's people on the roads. I've read in Newsweek magazine, and I kind of tend to believe Newsweek magazine. I'm holding now in my hand a special edition of Newsweek entitled Weed Nation. I'll tell you why I believe it. You might think I'm crazy, but I am generally more conservative in my viewpoints than Newsweek magazine. I found this over the years. So it's a little bit more liberal, quote, progressive, unquote, magazine for my liking. And so if they admit in this whole thing on Weed Nation that there's a problem or recommend something, I tend to believe them because I think at anything they're going to underestimate the harm and overestimate the good things coming out of this. So Newsweek and Weed Nation says occasional users should wait six to eight hours before driving. Okay. So how many people who are smoking marijuana before going to the movies, before going to a ball game, before driving down the highway, how many are waiting six to eight hours before they use it? I mean, personally, I don't like driving on New Year's Eve a whole lot because after a certain hour, I know that a large proportion of those on the road shouldn't be on the road. And the danger is just going up. And you know what? Uh, I'm a cyclist. Uh, I, I ride road bikes. And one time, I was almost run over by a texting driver. I was out in kind of a remote area and the driver thought, oh, there's no better around. And so they totally went across their lane, headed right for me. And they were so busy texting, they didn't see me. They didn't think anybody was around. They kept texting. I'm thinking, oh, that guy will see me. And he didn't see me. He kept coming, coming, coming. Okay. I don't like to be run over by texting drivers. And I really don't want to be run over by a drunk driver or a high driver driver. And yet it's very it's a lot more difficult to determine if someone is high versus someone who isn't high. But here is one Australian study that I think we should pay attention to. This Australian study found that any amount of THC, that's the psychoactive ingredient of marijuana, any amount of THC in the blood resulted in a two-fold increase in the likelihood of getting into a fatal car accident. Now, somebody's going to say, and we'll probably hit this argument, well, alcohol is just as bad. Agreed. Totally agreed. You know, a drunk driver, and I just talked to a law enforcement officer on this, you know, the drunk drivers always survive. They're so relaxed. They don't know what's going on. They run into a minivan with a young family and kids in the car and kill them. Uh, we shouldn't be accepting that as a society. 
And because there's that aberration and way too much of it in our society, are we going to quadruple that by adding to drunk driving, doubling the probability of a driver getting in a fatal car accident? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Remember, the THC is stored in the body's fat. And it's not like alcohol, which is going to be out of your body in a certain amount of time. We're talking not hours like alcohol, but days or weeks. And remember, if it's in there, including the brain, the reproductive organs, and the fat cells of the body, uh, marijuana, since it lasts in the body, can have this adverse effect upon learning and memory. Uh, Newsweek and Weed Nation says, you know, that's why you look up the uh, phone number for Papa John's to get a pizza because you you get hungry from smoking pot and you can't remember the number you just looked up. Why? Because it's affecting short-term memory. And basically, it says that marijuana, because it's stored for so long, if you are a daily user, that means that you are functioning at a suboptimal intellectual level all of the time. In other words, you say, look, I only smoke pot at night after I've been to class during the day and after I've done my homework in the evening, I just have a joint. Well, if that's your daily habit, your mind is functioning at a lower level than the level that God gave you the ability to do so. And I just like to close as a parent and this is my view as a dad, I regard the ability of a young person or any one of my kids to attend college as a high privilege, and it should be valued and respected. And if I'm going to sacrifice to get my kids to college or help them get to college, I am not going to pay for somebody to engage in activities to have their mind functioning all the time at a suboptimal level. No, no. I would say if that's the case, look for some other type of employment or military service until maturity is sufficient to take advantage of the opportunity of college studies. I wouldn't want to finance a pot-smoking college student. Okay, I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 185 of Faith and Family Radio. Stay with us for future broadcasts. We're going to look into some of the other questions relating to marijuana usage. And what does the Catholic Church say about this? We'll be talking about that. Till next time, this is Steve Wood. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.